Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. They Walk Among Us is part of the Acast Creator Network. Daniel Hathaway, more commonly known as Danny, left his home at a traveller's site off Gretton Brook Road in Corby, Northamptonshire. Shortly after receiving a phone call, the 44-year-old who worked as a mechanic had told Diane, his partner of around 15 years, that he was just popping out. Still dressed in his blue-grey overalls with a green logo that read just transits, Danny exited the blue and cream-coloured double-decker bus where he lived with his partner and their children Samuel and Ellie. Danny was expected back home later that evening on Wednesday, February 7th, 2007. The family were preparing to go on a skiing trip to Austria the following day, but when Danny did not arrive home, and his loved ones discovered that he had not turned up where he was expected, they knew something was wrong. Danny had been planning to discuss purchasing a plot of land where he could make a home for his family, but according to the man who had arranged the meeting, Danny had not arrived. In fact, the man came to the traveller site and asked Diane if she knew where Danny was even requesting she call him twice while he waited. But Danny never answered the phone. (laughs) 
Welcome to Season 7, Episode 10 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. When Danny Hathaway was reported missing, the police knew immediately that he did not vanish of his own accord. Investigators visited the New Age Traveller site where Danny had been living with his family for the last six years and began asking the residents if they had seen or heard anything. Twenty officers would be assigned to the case and lead investigator Detective Chief Inspector Katie Elliott appealed for information. She said, The disappearance of Daniel Hathaway is completely out of character and we are very concerned for his safety. We are appealing to Daniel himself or anyone who has seen him or spoken to him or knows where he is now to contact us as soon as possible. We are carrying out investigations at the site on Grettenbrook Road and are also following up a number of leads in terms of Danny's last known movements. Danny Hathaway stood somewhere between 5 feet 6 inches and 5 feet 8 inches tall, with a tanned complexion. He had a muscular build, brown-graying hair, and was unshaven when he was last seen. Beneath his just-transits overalls, he had been wearing a green t-shirt, a fleece and jeans all of which would have been oil-stained from his job as a mechanic. Within three days, the inquiry shifted from a missing persons case to a murder investigation. A press conference was held on February 10th where Detective Chief Inspector Kate Elliott told reporters, We have significant concern about Daniel Hathaway about the circumstances in which he has gone missing and the fact we haven't heard from him for three days. I have to keep an open mind, but at the moment we have no indications that he is still alive. We are keeping our minds open to possible motives. His family are very distressed and can't understand why this would happen. Detective Chief Inspector Elliott said that it was extremely out of character for Danny not to make contact with his partner or his family and friends, who were highly concerned for his welfare. Aerial and canine searches had been conducted throughout the local area and the woodlands near the site where Danny lived, but there was no sign of him. Heat-seeking technology on board the helicopters was also employed, although there was nothing to indicate that Danny was anywhere in the surrounding area. It was believed that he had been picked up from the traveller's site. However, the police were unsure of where Danny had gone. It was theorised that he may have journeyed to a scrapyard or a garage in line with his usual working practice. Still no one had come forward to bolster this assumption. It was also understood that he was carrying approximately £3,000 in cash when he went missing, a considerable sum of money. But this was not deemed unusual for someone in his profession who worked in the motor trade. 
week later on February 14th, there had still not been any activity on Danny Hathaway's mobile phone and no significant leads in tracking down the missing father of two. In the hope that a passing commuter might have seen something, investigators set up a roadblock on Gretton Brook Road. Fingertip searches were carried out in the fields and wooded areas in Bullwick close to the A43. An incident room had been set up at Corby Police Station, and officers assigned to the case were briefed each day. They received some pertinent information, but at the time the public were not made aware of what had been uncovered. Chief Superintendent Dean Smith spoke to a reporter for the Northampton Chronicle and Echo about the investigation and the lack of updates. Smith said, He has not been seen or heard from by anyone, including the public who have called us since his disappearance, which is why this is still being treated as a murder investigation. We have to say that as each day goes on, we fear the worst, and nothing we have received has changed that, but we have not given up hope. Our search near Bullwick is in the hope that we will find something related to him, but I do not think this will be the last place or area we will search. What I am sure of is that we will get to the bottom of this, and if he has been hurt or worse, the people responsible will be brought to justice. Days earlier, a van had been recovered from flood water at Sutton Gold near Ely in Cambridgeshire and was being analysed by forensic officers. Although over a week had passed, the police had a suspect in their mind almost immediately. 22-year-old Tony Holland. Holland was supposed to have met with Danny Hathaway on the night Danny went missing, and Holland had come to the traveller site looking for Danny after the meeting supposedly never took place. The police had spoken with Holland and requested his van be forensically examined. Officers felt that Holland's story did not add up. He was arrested on suspicion of murder on February 15th and taken to Norfolk Police Station before being transferred to Northamptonshire for questioning. Tony Holland refused to answer any questions throughout his interview, even after the investigators were granted a 12-hour extension. He was released on bail without charge, pending further inquiries. The arrest came just days after Danny Hathaway's father, Kenneth, had made an appeal to the public. He was a retired businessman from South Shropshire who occasionally preached at the Methodist Church in Church Stretton. Kenneth Hathaway said, We are all extremely concerned. His partner and the two children, his sister and his brother, but most of all, we are concerned for his elderly mother who is seriously ill with cancer. Danny, as he was always known, had endeared himself to so many people over the years of his travels in this country and in Europe. He was so generous and kind that people instinctively loved him. 
Someone out there must know of his whereabouts or have seen him, and this is an appeal to them from our hearts. Please, please, if you know where he is or if you have any information of any kind that will help us to find him, let the police know. None of Danny Hathaway's loved ones had any idea where he could be. Danny was a family man and well regarded in the area. It seemed extremely unlikely that Danny would end up and leave without warning, particularly the day before a planned family holiday. Detective Chief Inspector Elliott said the investigation was still active despite the arrest and they were working hard to find out where Danny Hathaway was and what happened to him. Investigators combed through hours of CCTV and ANPR footage to try and determine where Danny had gone and who he had been with, but they found nothing. Toward the end of the month, the lead investigator issued another appeal leaflets bearing Danny's details and photographs were distributed to members of the travelling community. As the weeks passed, Danny's family became more and more concerned and offered a reward for information. Kenneth Hathaway spoke at a press conference and said, Four weeks ago today, our son Daniel disappeared from Gretton Brook Road in Corby, and his disappearance has given rise to serious concern. He would not willingly have left his family, and we fear that he has been the subject of violence. Somebody out there must know what has happened to Danny. He was so well known and liked in the area, and we are making this special appeal for anyone who has any information of any kind to come forward and telephone the police information line. We, the family, today are offering a reward of £10,000 for information, which will lead to the arrest and prosecution of those who are guilty. Kenneth went on to describe the pain and turmoil the family were going through. You cannot imagine the suffering which has been caused to us his family and especially to his partner and their two children. We desperately need your help if we are to put an end to this senseless violence which causes so much pain and suffering and bring to justice those who have done this absolutely dreadful thing. We need your help to put an end to our uncertainty. Please, please help us to find Danny. Danny Hathaway's partner Diane and his sister were also in attendance at the press conference, as Detective Chief Inspector Katie Elliott appealed to the person who picked up Danny from near his home on the evening of February 7th. Over the intervening weeks, the reward generated interest as some tips came in, but did not lead to Danny Hathaway's whereabouts. Suspect Tony Holland still remained out on bail. Twenty-year-old William O'Connor, known as Bill, 
had just returned from a camping trip on Friday, April 27, 2007. At around midday, Bill and his friend who accompanied him on the outing travelled to the Hardwick Shopping Parade on Home Farm Lane in Bury, St Edmunds. Bill said he was meeting someone and had to be alone, but for some reason he was apprehensive, asking his friend to carry a weapon and wait around the corner. Bill was concerned the situation could escalate. A white transit van pulled up where Bill was waiting. He shook the driver's hand and climbed inside the vehicle. The van then pulled away and drove around to the back of some nearby shops. Within a few minutes, Bill's friend heard shouting and screaming. He panicked, grabbed some bricks and ran from the alley where he had been waiting. He saw a man on top of Bill and it looked like the assailant was punching him in the head, back and chest. Bill's friend shouted at the attacker to get off and threw a brick at him, but the man ran back to the van and drove away at speed. Upon closer inspection, Bill's friend realised that the man had not been punching Bill. He was stabbing him. As paramedics rushed to the scene, by chance, Dr. Alan Savage, an accident and emergency consultant, was cycling to Hardwick Shopping Parade. He was on his lunch break when he came across Bill O'Connor covered in blood by the roadside. Dr. Savage could tell that Bill was going into cardiac arrest. As the doctor tried to stop the bleeding by inserting his finger into an open wound that led to Bill's heart, Jeremy Morgan, a consultant anaesthetist with the Suffolk Accident and Rescue Service, arrived in his response vehicle. They acted fast, performing an emergency procedure at the scene. During the ambulance ride to West Suffolk Hospital, Dr. Savage kept his finger in the stab wound to Bill's heart. However, despite the best efforts of those involved... Bill O'Connor had lost too much blood and was pronounced dead shortly after arriving at the hospital. He had sustained a total of eight stab wounds to the head, eye, neck and chest. The fatal wound had perforated his heart. At the scene, Investigators saw the trail of blood and bloody tyre tracks left by the van as it sped away. The police appealed to the public for any witnesses to come forward who saw the violent struggle or knew the owner of an old model white transit van. Detective Chief Inspector David Skevington tried to calm the fears of locals who struggled to comprehend that a deadly attack had happened in broad daylight in such a populated area. He said, Extra patrols will be carried out in the area of Home Farm Lane over the coming days, and any members of the public who would like to speak to an officer can do so at the mobile station. We have taken more than 40 calls and want them to keep coming. The van was seen at the time the victim was walking to the shops, 
was then spotted leaving the area shortly after the stabbing took place. We need to speak to anyone who was in the area around this time and who saw the van or has any information that might help us determine why this man has died. There is clearly someone out there who has committed a murder and we need to find that person. But we are treating this as an isolated incident. People always need to take care but there is nothing to signify that the victim was killed at random. We believe the killer knew the victim, and it is possible that other people would have known about the meeting on Friday, so we would be keen to speak to them. Detectives would come to learn that Bill O'Connor had gone to meet somebody behind the shop shortly after 12pm, but the licence plate on the white van had been obscured, so it was difficult to trace the driver. Bill's heartbroken family issued a statement as news of his death spread. They said, The death of Bill has been a devastating tragedy to all his family and friends. He will be remembered as a kind, gentle person who nobody had a bad word to say about. He is a much-loved son, brother and uncle, he will be sadly missed. As a family, we would appeal to anyone who has information to contact the police. It would be Bill's mother that led the investigators toward a suspect. Josephine O'Connor said that on Friday, April 13th, she had been approached by a man asking for Bill's number and when she refused to pass it on, he had offered her money to tell him where Bill was. The man who had been so eager to speak to Bill was Tony Holland, a suspect in the disappearance of Danny Hathaway. Using CCTV, the investigators were able to compare the movements of the suspect's van to Holland's and Bill's mobile phone records. Bill's friend recalled hearing Bill give someone directions over the phone around midday, and CCTV cameras had picked up the van entering Bury St Edmunds at around the same time. The van was captured on a camera in Norwich at 12.20pm, and Holland's phone had been used at that time to call his fiancée. Records show that the call had been made from the Norwich area. Three days after Bill O'Connor's murder, officers travelled to a caravan site in the Northamptonshire town of Desborough. They arrested Tony Holland at around 5.30pm on suspicion of murder. Police seized a white transit van for forensic analysis. This was the second vehicle they had confiscated from the suspect within three months. Holland had discarded his mobile phone prior to his arrest, but officers were able to locate it close to his home. Over the next 36 hours, which included an extension period for questioning, Holland still gave no response when questioned. Luckily, the police did not need a confession. Although then there were no signs of blood in the vehicle, 
Forensic experts are able to positively match fibres from Bill's genes to fibres found on the passenger seat of Holland's van. On May 4th, Tony Holland was transported from Berry Police Station to Sudbury Magistrates Court, where he was charged with a single count of murder. Wearing a dark green fleece and jeans, the 22-year-old cried as the case against him was read aloud. Holland spoke only to confirm his name, age and address. After submissions were entered by his defence counsel, Chris Brown, Holland was remanded into custody. When Tony Holland had been arrested for Danny Hathaway's murder within weeks of his disappearance, the Crown Prosecution Service were not satisfied that there was enough evidence to charge Holland with murder. But after Holland was arrested for the suspected killing of Bill O'Connor while on bail, the Northamptonshire Police began working with the Suffolk Constabulary to build a case. Holland was charged with Danny's murder in late July 2007 and was due to stand trial for the killings the following year. Frustratingly, Danny's remains had still not been located despite extensive searches conducted throughout the surrounding counties. The police had good reason to believe he was dead after Danny's blood had been found on the sliding door and wooden panels inside Tony Holland's van. A heavy contact stain was discovered that appeared to have finger or handprint impressions that matched details of Holland's hand. Other items seized from Tony Holland's vehicle were marked with traces of Danny's blood, including Holland's boots and a spade. Other items taken into evidence included a metal bar, a knife, a rope, a hammer, boxing gloves and a pickaxe handle. Phone records proved that Holland had been speaking to Danny on the day he went missing, and it was known that they had arranged to meet because Danny wanted to purchase a plot of land. However, without knowing where he was and exactly what happened to him, it was impossible to properly put Danny Hathaway to rest. Tony Holland remained tight-lipped, keeping Danny's loved ones in limbo. On the first anniversary of his disappearance, Danny Hathaway's family again appealed to the public for help. The reward fund had reached a sizable £25,000 and Danny's loved ones desperately needed closure. Lead investigator Detective Chief Inspector Katie Elliott said at the time, We are now ever more certain that Danny is dead and we would like to know where his body is. I would again appeal to anyone who has information around this to contact the information team. It is devastating for Danny's family not to know where his body is, and a year after his disappearance, I remain hopeful someone will come forward and call in with important information. Hold up. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Tony Holland's troll began in early April 2008. Karim Khalil QC Prosecuting outlined the case against the defendant at Ipswich Crown Court. Holland had entered not guilty pleas to both murder charges. The case against Holland for Danny Hathaway's murder had to be strong, as the authorities had still not located Danny's body. It was said that Tony Holland needed £9,000 to purchase a new caravan, and he knew on the evening Danny went missing, he was carrying thousands of pounds in cash. The prosecution argued that Holland lured Danny to an unknown location under the guise of selling him a plot of land. Mobile phone records were used to highlight Holland's movements from King's Lynn to Corby, where Danny lived with his partner and children. Several of Danny Hathaway's friends wrote statements about Danny that were read to the court. Mary Williams said he would not have disappeared without letting someone know where he was. Danny definitely would not have left his partner Diane and their two children who he adored. Mary explained that one of Danny's friends had to put their dog down shortly before Danny went missing, and she knew he would have been there for his friend unless something sinister had happened. Rupert Wayne described how he was supposed to meet with Danny on the evening of February 7th, 2007, and when Danny did not show up, Rupert tried to call his phone. It went straight to voicemail, 
When Danny's long-term partner Diane called Rupert the following morning to ask if Danny was with him, Rupert knew something was wrong. Tony Holland had come to the site where Danny lived to look for him, something the prosecution argued was an attempt to build an alibi. Within days, Holland was arrested. Danny's blood was found in his van, but Holland was not charged with murder and was released on bail with horrific consequences. The prosecution alleged that Tony Holland had arranged to meet the second murder victim, Bill O'Connor, under the guise of a drug deal, but Holland's true cause was fueled by jealous rage. Holland had phoned his fiancée Lisa Smith from prison, and the transcript from the recorded call was read to the jury. Holland had told Lisa, I do not care if I get done, knowing what that bastard done to you, those nightmares he gave you. The prosecution claimed that Holland believed Bill had tried to chat up Lisa. Karim Khalil QC told the court that Holland planned to lure Bill to the shopping parade and murder him, as he had murdered Danny Hathaway. But Bill screamed as he was being attacked, and Holland had been unable to dispose of the body. Tony Holland took the stand in his own defence. He had remained silent throughout his interviews with the police, but now insisted that he had nothing to do with either crime. After he was arrested in connection with Danny Hathaway's murder, Holland's van was seized. A piece of paper with Bill O'Connor's name and phone number was found in the ashtray. Phone records appeared to show that Holland had previously tried to find all of the O'Connors in the Berry St Edmunds area. After failing to get Bill's number from his mother, Holland eventually obtained it from someone else. However, the defendant disputed that he had been the one who wanted to speak with Bill, claiming that it was a friend Joe who wished to make contact. According to Holland, Joe had an issue with Irish travellers, so Holland approached Bill's mother on Joe's behalf. He first called Bill's number on April 26th, and the call lasted 52 seconds. Holland alleged that it was an accidental call and that it had not been Bill O'Connor who answered the phone, telling the court, I remember talking to an individual, but I don't think he sounded Irish. I said, can I speak to Billy? And the voice said, who? It must be the wrong number. Another call was made around an hour later, lasting over four minutes but Holland said he did not remember making the call. Holland explained that he had loaned his SIM card to his friend Joe, and it was Joe who had arranged to meet Bill O'Connor, supposedly to purchase drugs. But the prosecutor proposed a different theory as to why Holland had been the one to arrange the meeting. Karim Khalil QC said, I suggest you are finding him because you were getting married next year to Lisa and you knew he had met Lisa. She said something had happened and he had tried it on with her. 
and you became jealous, and you decided to sort that problem out before you got married to prove your love to her. Tony Holland insisted that was not the case. He claimed he had offered to drive Joe to the parade of shops on Home Farm Lane and dropped him close to the back of the properties before parking his van. Holland remarked, I got out of the van to see if I could recognise anybody, and I walked across, and I think that Bill recognised me, at which point he started walking towards me, and I shook his hand and he said, What have you got? And I told him that it was not me he wanted. Holland insisted that he directed Bill to the back of the shops where Joe was waiting and walked back to his van. He said he could see Joe and Bill speaking to one another when he drove over in the van. Holland told the court, I got there and it seemed like everything was going okay, and Bill was there by himself, and there was no trouble, and Joe gave me the nod, so I took a walk and left them to it. Soon after, Holland said he saw Joe driving over to him in the van, Joe had told him that he had not done good and that he wanted to buy everything, but he did not have the money. Holland testified that he drove Joe to Norwich and this explained why the van was seen there and how his phone had pinged in that area on the day of the murder. The prosecutor was certain this was a lie and referred to the transcripts of the phone calls between Tony Holland and his fiancée after his arrest. Holland had asked Lisa, Please tell me that I am not in here for nothing. Karim Khalil QC suggested that this statement amounted to a confession that Holland had killed Bill, and the prosecutor asked the defendant directly if he had murdered Bill O'Connor. Holland replied no. The prosecutor argued that it was his belief that Holland had met with Bill on the day of his murder, but not for a drug deal. Karim Khalil QC told the jury, we say his motivation was revealed in later conversations. Tony Holland's fiancée was Lisa Smith. She was someone William O'Connor had shown a fancy towards and it appears in his misguided sense of clearing his past, he decided to clear out one of her potential other suitors. The prosecutor was adamant that Holland had fabricated Joe in order to conceal his crime. Speaking about Danny Hathaway's murder, Karim Khalil QC dismissed Holland's claim that it was just coincidence that he had been due to meet with Danny when he went missing, saying... To be at the scene of a killing with your van is an unfortunate coincidence. But a few months later, to be at the scene of a second killing with your second van is just not a coincidence. In the words of a well-known playwright, it does begin to look like carelessness. On May 1st, 2008... The jury returned after nine hours of deliberations. Jurors were unanimous when they convicted Tony Holland of the murder of Bill O'Connor. 
several jury members had been unsure of the defendant's involvement in the murder of Danny Hathaway, as Danny's body had not been found. However, after the judge said he would accept a majority verdict, Tony Holland was also convicted of a second charge of murder. Holland was sentenced for his crimes by Mr. Justice Tugendhat. The judge told Tony Holland you were due to be married next year, and in preparation for that, you committed two murders, one for gain and one for revenge. You killed Mr. Hathaway with brutal efficiency. You also believed Mr. O'Connor had wronged your fiance in some way, and you were determined to get your revenge. You killed him with a precisely aimed stab in the eye and the heart. Only a scream prevented you from taking Mr. O'Connor's body away in the same way you took Mr. Hathaway. You have shown no remorse, but your actions have devastated the lives of two families. Tony Holland was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of 35 years to be served before he is eligible for parole. Peter Gare from the Crown Prosecution Service, who was involved in the case from the early stages of the investigation, spoke following Holland's sentencing and praised the efforts of everyone involved in getting justice for Danny Hathaway and Bill O'Connor. He said... Today's result is a tribute to the close working across the criminal justice agencies from both Suffolk and Northamptonshire, who have all ensured justice was served for Danny and Bill, and of course their families and friends. I hope today's conviction provides them with some comfort. Our thoughts are with them. Suffolk Police Detective Chief Inspector David Skevington, who led the investigation into Bill O'Connor's murder, called the conviction a testament to the determination and professionalism of the officers involved, highlighting the extensive searches and collaboration with Norfolk and Northamptonshire constabularies. DCI Skevington went on to say, Technology also played a big part in this investigation. With the latest forensic techniques, Mobile phone technology and automatic number plate recognition systems enabling officers to identify and track Holland and provide the evidence to bring him to justice. The Suffolk Police investigation had collected over 800 items of evidence and over 700 statements, similar to those collected by the Northamptonshire Constabulary in their investigation into Danny Hathaway's murder. Detective Chief Inspector Katie Elliott from the Northamptonshire Police also spoke after the trial. She said, It was only after Tony Holland was arrested for the murder of William O'Connor by Suffolk Police that similarities between that case and the murder of Danny Hathaway became clear. Without Danny's body, we had to prove that he was no longer alive and continue our search for him rather than simply being able to focus on proving that Tony Holland had killed him. Today's verdict is a testament to over 12 months of dedicated and meticulous investigation by my team, and I would like to thank them for that, 
It also demonstrates the successful joint working between Northamptonshire and Suffolk Police and the Crown Prosecution Service. But for all the officers involved in this investigation, and particularly for Danny's family, this investigation will never be over until we know where Danny's body is, and I will continue to appeal for anyone who knows where he is to help find him, so that his family can bury him and achieve some sort of peace. Bill's family offered a statement outside the court, describing their feelings of devastation, and even with a minimum sentence of three and a half decades, it would not bring the 20-year-old back. The actions of one callous man has changed so many lives, they said. He has killed a part of us all. A year has gone by now since Bill was murdered, and not a day goes by where we don't think of him. Words cannot begin to say how much he is missed. Danny's father, Kenneth Hathaway, read from a statement following Tony Holland's conviction and sentence. He spoke of the family's hope to find answers to what happened to Danny and see justice done. He said, Although it is true that with Tony Holland being found guilty of murder and sentenced after examination of the evidence that there is some measure of justice as far as English law is concerned, we are no nearer to finding out what actually happened, and even more particularly, neither do we know what he has done with Daniel. It has been very, very hard for me, but the hardest of all, of course, has been for Diane. They'd been together for about 15 years, and they had two children, Samuel and Ellie. Therefore, for us, there cannot be closure, and the agony continues. This man has not only destroyed a wonderful person and taken the life of a loving son, brother, partner, and father of two small children, he has sentenced us to a lifetime of uncertainty and questions. Questions that we ask now and questions his children will continue to ask for many years as they grow older. He, the perpetrator, will serve his time in the comfort of prison and be released. But for us there is no release and no end. Only the agony of loss for a lifetime made unspeakably worse by the fact we have been unable to say goodbye to our loved one nor give him the dignity of burial and the respect of a funeral. We extend our sympathy to the family of William O'Connor and our grateful thanks to the police for their painstaking work in this difficult case, but we also take this opportunity to make a heartfelt appeal to those persons who know, to tell us where Daniel is, so that we may come and take him away to grieve over and to bury. Please, for our sakes and the sake of his two children, tell us where Danny is. So where are we now? The Crown Prosecution Service vowed to review the case and find out why Tony Holland was allowed to remain free following his arrest for Danny Hathaway's killing. In that time, Bill O'Connor was callously murdered. 
Peter Gare from the CPS spoke to the BBC and said, We've clearly got to go back and review decisions that were made, especially when they had the consequences that they did. We will obviously look at that, but you have to remember that one person's decision objectively justified may not necessarily have been the right one, but it's a justifiable decision. No details of any review have been published in the 15 years since the murders. Searches for Danny Hathaway's remains continued following the trial, and in August 2008, Northamptonshire Police conducted searches in Norfolk, assisted by Lincolnshire Police divers. However, they were unsuccessful. Deputy Coroner Rodney Haig held an inquest into Danny Hathaway's death in April 2009. The Ministry of Justice had earlier ruled that the proceedings could take place even though Danny's body had not been found. Evidence presented included records from utility companies, communication networks and the NHS that showed Danny had used none of these services following his disappearance. His blood had been found in Holland's van, on his boots and on a spade. The coroner said that he was satisfied the evidence proved that Danny Hathaway was dead and that Danny had died sometime after February 7th, 2007 at an unknown location. The authorities theorised that Tony Holland had not acted alone when he disposed of Danny's remains. The 56-year-old man had been arrested and released without charge six months after Danny disappeared. Danny's father also believed that someone had assisted Tony Holland. In comments reported by the BBC, Kenneth Hathaway said, We believe somebody else would have been involved. Danny was a big man, 44 years old and nearly 15 stone. He was solid. He would have fought like a tiger. We think what happened had something to do with Danny's business. He bought and sold as a motor trader. We think he walked into a trap. At least the inquest means there is now a death certificate and his estate can be dealt with. The matter is not closed for us because we have not found his body. The police have spoken to the man who was convicted of his murder, but as he denies he was involved, they have not had any information. My son's partner, Diane, has now gone completely blind. She suffered from a degenerative illness that can only have been made worse by what happened. I appeal to those who know where his body is to come forward so he can be found and have the dignity of burial and the respect of a funeral. Investigative reporter and former police officer Mark Williams Thomas became involved in the case to try and assist Danny Hathaway's family in recovering his remains. In Williams Thomas' book Hunting Killers, he writes that he had been contacted by a source that claimed to know where Danny's body might be. According to the author, the source said that Tony Holland wrapped Danny's body in tarpaulin 
and tied it to a gearbox before throwing it off a bridge behind a traveller's site. Mark Williams Thomas was working with Peter Fulding from Specialist Group International, a rescue and forensic organisation, to determine where searches should be conducted. At the time the book was published, Williams Thomas wrote that he hoped the searches would begin in late May 2019. There has been no public update since. If you have any information regarding the location of Danny Hathaway's body, please contact the Northamptonshire Constabulary. Thank you for listening, and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.